0: So good afternoon. My name is Davina Lyons. I'm the managing director at the e-commerce club and um, I'm looking after the um, event today. I'll be chairing, um, but um, but I'm not the expert. We've got a panel of experts that will be um, assisting with your questions and also giving some insights. Um, So, you know, welcome to this professional development webinar. Um, The e-commerce club is doing this in conjunction with the Fashion Network. Um, we've been working together on many projects over the last few years many of those were physical events and we've now been doing sort of a series of webinars Um, and, um, and what we wanted to do is to be able to tap into both of our databases um, in order to be able to kind of offer this as a a free opportunity to be able to come in and learn um, to people both in the fashion industry and generally in the e-commerce sector Um, and um, and for us at the e-commerce club you know that would be quite broad that would include automotive companies and and financial institutions um, as well as people in retail Um, so Without further ado, I want to actually say a big thank you to um, Avalara and Via Omni. So they um, have supported today's event and allowed us to be able to put the time in to pull this together. Um, And um, and we've also got a great panel for you. Now, we've got five people on the panel. Um, So I'm going to give you a quick introduction to them myself. Then we're gonna hand over to to our partners in order to be able to kind of introduce themselves so you understand their sort of expertise and background. And then as we actually sort of go through the questions, we want to make this as interactive as possible. We've kind of predefined um, some questions that we would like to put to the panel um, and some areas of of discussion. Um, But we do very much want to actually make sure um, that um, that, that, you you as an attendee, get an opportunity to be able to ask questions too. So we think the best way to do that is to do that, do that in chat. Um, so um, if you can please kind of pop your questions in there. and. Although I'm sort of fronting this, we, ha- we do actually have sort of, down from TFN the Fashion Network in the background, um, who's assisting with tech. Um, so, um, so, you know, there are various polls and slides and things that will be sort of popping up as we go along. Um, so this is actually gonna be going out on YouTube as well. Um, so if you do watch it on YouTube, um, please make sure that you, um, you like it um, and that you um, subscribe for future um, videos. So, first and foremost, I want to actually sort of take you through who's with us today. Um, So, we've got uh, Divya Patel Smith. Um, She is um, an international trade advisor at the Department for International Trade. Um, So, obviously, sort of her expertise lies in um, global expansion. Um, We've also got um, Simon Taylor. Simon, you've got like an incredibly extended bio. And when you sort of come in and answer a question, I wouldn't mind you giving a little bit of back, background, sort of both you and Divya, about sort of you know your experience. You're at Foursquare Group now, but you've been involved in the board of many retailers um, when I was looking through your sort of, you know, your, your bio. So um so you're sort of here as our retail expert. Um, we've got Robin Smith, who's um CEO co-founder of the Alumni. Um, and, um, and we've also got um, from Avalara, um, Mike Sankey, and Olivia Gates, um, who are experts in tax, um, but I'm sure many other things too. Um, so Robin, I'm going to come to you first, so you can give us a little bit of background on sort of the alumni, um, and, um and also some of the areas that, um, that your sort of um, expertise lies in.
1: Well, thank you very much, Davina. It's great to be here, and uh, great to be part of this particular panel. Um, Our background is integration. Uh, It's often the piece that uh, when people go into e-commerce and supply chain, they tend to overlook. They think about all of the front end and they think about how their back end is going to go, but they don't think about how data moves between the various pieces of their, uh, their, um, their environment. Uh, And this is where VL Omni comes in. We uh, come out of uh, bricks and mortar retail EDI, the high street and have evolved into um, uh, marketplaces, uh, e-commerce shopping cart integration. And now starting to look at uh, the latest trend in e-commerce which is headless commerce. Our platform is GDPR compliant. Um, It's agile, it's very scalable. Um, and we we have customers in Canada, the U.S., uh, the EU, as well as the Middle East. Um, so we have a global perspective on integration uh, and business as it relates to integration. In many companies, integration is looked at as simply a technical exercise. Uh, we look at it both from a business perspective as well as a technical exercise, and it's a very Uh, a fundamental part of any company's um, strategy. So I think that uh, this is where we bring some value to the table here, and it'll be very interesting talking with the other participants about uh, how one approaches the globalization. Um, I've been in this business for 26 years. Um, You can see my pre-pandemic haircut picture there. So I'm, I'm going to, uh, (laughs) you know, defer to that one. I uh, I come out of bricks and mortar retail uh, EDI, and I've uh, I've had a very varied experience. I have an undergraduate degree in prehistoric archaeology, and I did a master's in international um, um, relations. Worked in Africa and the Middle East in uh, t- in telecommunications before starting the company. So uh, I've got a very varied perspective. Thank you, Davina.
0: No worries. Do you find the prehistoric archaeology is useful for you these days?
1: Actually, it's, you know, it's probably the thing that has led me to um, that, that has given me the greatest uh, perception on what is going on. Not only the anthropology, but also uh, archaeology is a lot about data analysis, and being able to look at data patterns and to see where things are actually trending and going. So that background actually has been very useful. Yes.
0: Mm, OK, so thank you so much, Robin. Um, and um, and I know I've been around many years as well in this industry. So we've known each other quite a few years. Um, so I'm, I'm going to also defer to an earlier picture if that's OK at some point. <laughs> so, um, so I'm going to hand over to Avalara. Um, so Olivia and Mike, I know you're double at, double teaming this today. Um, so, um, so I'm going to let you choose who's going first. Um, but um, if you can kind of just give us a quick chat about sort of Avalara and where you kind of fit into the picture, that would be great.
2: Absolutely. Hi there, everybody. Lovely to meet you all as well. Uh, so my name is Mike Sankey. Uh, I'm one of the tax technology specialists at Avalara. Uh, and I'm here with my colleague, Olivia as well. And um, we deal primarily with indirect taxes. We, we work as a, a plugin uh, technology that sits in the background or, or human services as well. We specialize in indirect taxation for US sales tax, GST, uh, VAT compliance, but we also have managed services as well, um, be it for uh, ongoing filings, fiscal representation, as well as a number of other services that that we provide up and down the the chain. Um, We support companies in in many different sectors, retail, software uh, are the the primary ones, uh, but we also have things to do with manufacturing, excise and pretty much everything else in between as well. So we're here today to really shed some insight into our experiences uh, on the global e-commerce markets uh, and and globalization in general. Oops, silent there. Um, Sorry, just to... I, was trying,
0: I was trying to be really good about making sure I wasn't making any kind of background noises and yes you're right I've got to turn the mute off <laughs> I was just saying if Olivia wanted to sort of jump in and sort of add anything to what you said then Mike Yes, yeah, absolutely. So hi, everybody. Lovely to meet you all. Um, It's a pleasure to be here today. So Olivia here from Avalara. Um, Apologies if it looks like I'm on some dodgy CCTV footage. I had a bit of an accident with my laptop that has affected the video, but um, great to be here and uh, as Mike said, so Mike and I are on the same team, uh, specialists in the uh, automation of tax, um, both from the US side of things, which is a complex beast in itself, uh, which we will be discussing. I can see Robin nodding his head there because um, it is it is quite the challenge, um, and really, our goal is to ease i guess the apprehension and you know the pain points that people have entering into new markets particularly the us and canada for example that's that's an area that we specialize in but also globally you know beginning to understand the impact of different uh, tax rules and the way in which those can be automated for kind of ultimate customer experience so we'll be diving into that a little bit more today and uh, yeah look forward to the various conversations that we'll be having Oh, I've okay. just seen our, our slide pop up. There we go. That's also yeah. some some pre-COVID uh, images there. And uh, I think hopefully soon we'll be be out of lockdown and be able to top up on the TANs. So um, yeah, lovely, lovely to meet everyone. Thank you. Brilliant, thank you. Is there anything in there that you wanted to reference at all, Olivia? Or, or you kind of feel you covered it? No, it's, it's absolutely fine. I think we've covered it. Um, there'll be various talking points uh, later on in, in the call today that, that we can we can touch on the various different ideas. This is really a summary of all of the areas that Avalara can support you with um, from, as I mentioned, the automating tax side of things through to looking at different VAT rules um, and looking at compliance projects across the world. So we will touch on that as we go through the discussions today. Yeah, as,
2: well as, as well as elements to do with duty and tax calculation and, and potentially classifications uh, for item classification services. There's a lot that we can cover uh, and no doubt there will be questions along the way.
0: I'm sure they will. I'm sure they will. So we have a question now that we want to throw out to everyone who's actually online with us. Um, So if you can pop the first poll up, now, that would be great. Um, So what we wanted to get an understanding of here before we go into the first question is which markets are you currently in? Um, So if you could just tick all of the boxes that are relevant for you, um, that would be great. Um, And um, and if you're in other territories that aren't listed, we've got another category here, Um, obviously tick that box, but um, it would be useful if you could let us know in chat. Um, And we felt that if we could establish this at the beginning, then it would give us an idea as to whether there was a, um, you know, a particular territory or particularly sort of um, you know, a, a set of, sort of um, answers that we should be referencing because most people were actually looking, you know, were in China, for example, rather than in South America. Um, so, um, so we thought this would give us kind of a little bit of um, kind of background to be able to sort of set the scene for the whole um, event. Um, so I assume that will pop up shortly. Um, so the first sort of question that I want to throw out, um, I'm going to come to you first, Simon. Ah, OK, so we can see here. Uh, so actually, the majority of people are in Europe, which, you know, makes a lot of sense, seeing as we're uh, the UK and um, North America seems to be next at 32 percent. Um, less in sort of azm than i thought actually in china south america and um and obviously we've got 12 percent there in others so we'll pick up on um on sort of what that actually covers um but um but yeah so i mean i suppose sort of as a panel then um you know let's think more about the kind of european and north american markets um and we'll touch on the other areas as we go through um so first question i wanted to kind of throw out i'm going to come to you first simon and if you could also just kind of give us because you haven't had a chance to introduce yourself if you could just give us a little bit of background about yourself that would be great um, but I wanted to actually um first of all sort of get you to set the scene so why Go Global in the first place and, and what would be the strategic considerations as a retailer?
3: Should I do the, the little bit about myself first or?
0: Do the little bit about yourself and then come to the question.
3: Hi everybody Good, great to be here um, so my background is I've been a, I've been a retailer for, for more than international retailer for more than 20 years now which I really can't believe, to be honest. It's just flown by. Um, I've lived in I've lived in the Middle East. I've lived in Southeast Asia. Um, I've worked very much on the ground in international markets. Um, I returned to the UK in in 2008 um, and worked for a couple of businesses. Um, and I had a seven year stint with New Look, um, and I was developing their physical and online partnership program. And I exited the business in 2015 when they uh, sold the business to Breit. Um after that, I set up my own business. So I do have my own consultancy business that's called SLI, and I advise businesses on, you know, the best, most cost-effective ways to enter international markets. Um, interestingly enough, Foursquare, which, which was listed is a small... Independent startup business in Liverpool that um, specialises in health and safety, which is my the founder of that business would be ecstatic to think that he'd been called out in this seminar. Um, oh, but well, I'm also that's brilliant. that's brilliant. That's a free ad. But I'm I'm also a non-exec director at Osprey of London at the moment, and with an, an I'm an, a board advisor to a business called vogacloset.com which is a marketplace um, business that basically exports um fashion into the Middle East so well so you had
0: such amazing. an extensive bio with so many sort of things you're involved in Simon that's why I thought it'd be kind of you know useful for you to give us a bit of background but I, I'm kind of thinking of you as our retail expert you know obviously that's the the role that I feel that you can fulfill here
3: wow that's that's great to hear what can I say <laughs> I can't, I'm not sure I can follow <laughs> that but I remember being you know 21, 22, sitting in the audiences of these kind of all these events and, you know, um, you know, it's been such a journey. It's been absolutely unbelievable, to be honest. But look, the the question, the question for me that you asked, it's an interesting one. Um, Mm. Yeah, Yeah, there's a few. I mean, I think the first thing is when we think about online, we can often, all of us can go to these, these conferences and seminars and we can just, we can just hear the word online. And I think, for me, we we just have to simplify it into three different areas. You know, I think the first area is your own .dot com. You know, what do you want to do with your own .dot com internationally? And then there's all the questions around tax and trademarking that come from that. And then the the, the middle bit is, you know, it's it's tech, so it, it's things like digital apps. You know, that's another thing to think about. And then how you can export that into, into a different markets. And then the third bit, which has really been my expertise, has been the, the kind of the, the partnership side of it. So that could be through, you know, marketplace integration, B2B, B2C retailing. And that can be both domestically and internationally. So, you know, I think it's really important that people don't, you know, that people can just go away and hear noises and words, but it's really important to think about those three different areas as being three separate opportunities that have, you know, amazing benefits, but also specific considerations to think about. I think for me, you know, top line, I think, um, you know, going global internationally with your website, I think, look, at the end of the day, it's all about customer acquisition. You know that's what we're all here to do. We're we're all here to sell more. The yeah. the bit where I think businesses and it depends what business you are. So this this comment, it's horses for courses for what I'm about to say. The the bit that you just have to think about sometimes is you know for me it's the it's people processes and systems. So you know get the right people in, get people in that know more than you know about your own business people are going to give you a really honest appraisal and opinion about where you're at and um, processes can involve, you know, back office systems, you know, what platform are you operating off? You know, how old is, how old is your version of whatever platform you use? Um, you know, can it be easily integrated internationally? All of these questions that you need, need to be at the forefront of your mind, you know, what, what level of investment might be required. And the, And the reason that you need to do all of this is, you know the worst thing that you can do, and believe me, learn from my mistakes that I've made a lot of them in the last twenty years. The worst thing you can do is to launch internationally on a, on an international platform and not do it properly. You only mm. get you know you only get one chance at this with a lot of the big players internationally. Um, yeah. And if you don't, if you, you can't don't do hire, a
0: socket and see.
3: Yeah, no. If you don't yeah. deliver on your SLAs, you're lucky if you get a second chance. So you really, really have to be prepared, um, you know, and then, you know, specifically depending on what, on what market it is and what product you're selling, you know, you need to really be clear on your trademarking. You really need to be clear if it's the U S on, you know, where you're at with your suppliers on reach compliance issues. Um, obviously a lot of news in the, st- in a lot of stories in the news even this week about, you know, brands that are finding that a challenge into the us um you know and if you know if you're dealing leather goods it's things like your leather declarations you know you know you have to be really really you know aware in a lot of these international markets you know um you know something that none of us want to be involved in we don't want to have any part of it whatsoever it would give me sleepless nights but you know you know being ethical uh you know Not, you know, being absolutely sure, you know, that that there's no there's no bad press out there about, you know, you trying to export certain goods into certain markets. It's it's really important. And, you you know, you you live by you live on your reputation, basically. And is that is that kind of is that kind of a good start?
0: That's a good, yeah, that is a good start to ten. Thank you very much, Simon. And it seems that sort of, yeah, you've got to do your research there. And then you've got to think about those, you know, three different areas that you were um, referencing. So I think the point is, is that you can't just go hell for, you know, hell for leather um, to think about your kind of leather um, retailer. Um, You've got to actually make sure that um, you've got a kind of proper strategic plan in place. Um, Divya, I'm going to come over to you next. Um, So if you could just give us a little bit of background about um, what you do for um, the Department of International Trade um, and then um, if we can get your sort of insights on, you know, sort of initial overarching considerations when you're going global, that would be great.
4: Yeah, sure. So I'm an international trade advisor. Um, I've been an international trade advisor for the Department of International Trade for about 19 years now. Um, We advise companies on exporting. So we help small companies as well as large companies to export overseas. Um, We provide guidance and support. We work very closely with the British consulates overseas. Majority of the people know that British Embassy you go there for visas or if you get stuck in the country. But um, a lot of the offices have a commercial section and there are eyes and ears within the market. Yeah. They know the language, they know the culture, they know who the big players are. Um, they do a lot of networking on our behalf. They do a lot of research. So they can help you break into the market. Um, we provide, it's government funded. So majority of what we do is free. Um, we do market research but that's that's a chargeable service but we'd always tell you beforehand if anything is chargeable but it's heavily subsidized um our aim is to help businesses to uk brands uk businesses to get out there overseas and to export so we do Before COVID, we used to do a lot of events overseas, um, a lot of uh, visits overseas where we take companies across and handhold them and help them get into new markets. Um, Obviously, we're still running a number of events online as best we can and providing support over events and various things. So we're still here to support companies and um, provide funding and grant as well to help them export. Excellent. And people can just reach out to, to, to you or the department directly. Yes, I'm the actual lead for fashion and textiles for the Northwest region so um, happy to discuss with any companies if they've got any queries or any issues in regards to exporting and and see where we can help. Um, We mainly deal with exporting um, not importing because we are government funded so our aim is to help companies to export and grow um, not import goods from overseas and bring them into the country um, so yes yeah, more than happy to help and if I can't answer the question I always find someone that can um, and point you in the right direction.
0: Perfect thanks Divya and so coming to the to the question you, you know when people are at that kind of initial stage of thinking of going global what are your kind of top tips and, and, and things that you should be kind of thinking of first
4: yeah um i mean what simon said is absolutely right you need to cover all those angles um, if you are a smaller business try kind of everyone dreams of breaking into america breaking into the bigger markets um, There is a lot of rules and regulations you need to comply with when going and trading into states and thinking about duties and tariffs so if you want to dip your toe in the water i always say try somewhere closer to home like ireland or you know the easier markets like australia um the fashion trends always have been historically a few years behind so they're easier to get into rather than the states which is competitive um however you know it is a large market to go into but to begin with rather than dealing with translations and various other rules and regulations you need to comply to island english-speaking markets are the easier markets to deal with Going mm-hmm. um, internationally with the with e-commerce now it's a lot easier than it would have been with bricks and mortar um, and building a brand is very easy as well which there's a number of experts who can talk about that as well online building your brand um, you know via the social media platforms so even the smaller businesses now have got just as much chance as the bigger companies
0: do you think there's any advantage to 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 sometimes to being a smaller company perhaps your sort of fleet or foot or do you think actually you know the more established brands will find that maybe they'll have a sort of a natural foothold or at least a sort of recognizable sort of market as they expand
4: if you'd have asked me this question maybe about 10, 15 years ago, I would have said bigger companies. But these days now, the way people are buying, it's changing. Consumer trends are changing. People are looking for ethical, um, you know, supporting small businesses. Um one thing that stayed throughout is the british brand where british equals quality so mm-hmm. it doesn't matter if you're a big business or a small business british that brand of being coming from the uk and being very british sells um and it's always been the case um but going forward now a smaller company it's just got as much chance as a bigger company because people now are, are happy Wanting something different, you can build your brand overseas with a smaller company without any um, issues if you get into the right platforms and right medias and um, the right marketplaces as well.
0: Excellent, thank you. Um, so we're going to go to our second poll. Um, so Dal, if you can pop that up on the screen, that would be great. So what we wanted to understand is we've got an we've got an idea now as to which territories you're already in, but is there a territory you're either looking to move into or one that you're looking to expand within? So um, so if we can pop up, yeah, we can see the question up there. So which territories are you either planning to move into next, or are you concentrating your efforts on in 2021? Um, and if you could just tick that. Boxes And again, um, if you can just pop into the um, chat box, um, if there are any other regions um, that um, that you're looking at expanding into. I know we had someone sort of comment and say, um, is Northern Ireland classed as other? Um, I'm assuming not part of the UK. So um, I would assume not. But um, I don't know if anyone else has any opinions on that. Um, So I'm going to come on to. Ah, there we are. Um, so again, sort of North America and Europe, sort of very much coming up at the top of the list, but it looks there like China um, is coming in a kind of close third on that so um, we do actually have um, a webinar sort of focused on China um, off the top of my head Dale I can't remember what the date is so um, if you remember what the date is do text me um, but um, but I know we have something coming up later in the year on China um, and on May the 12th we're actually covering um, breaking into the US um, so um, I know that's the, the, the next one we have planned after this okay that's lovely um, so what I'm going to do then is I'm going to move on to now um, looking at sort of you know what opportunities are opening up and why i'm going to come to you first on this Micah avalara um because i think there may be some markets and i know sort of divya was saying there that you know perhaps actually look you go to an english-speaking country first because it's maybe going to be a little bit easier to navigate a little bit easier to kind of set up all of those relationships you need so you know is there sort of any particular opportunities that you think people should be kind of sort of focusing um their minds on
2: no, i think that's that's a great starting point as well the the point you make there about english-speaking countries i mean particularly for for uh, the, the uk market if you're branching out uh, overseas what, what certainly we have found is that people have focused primarily on say the us ireland uh, australia new zealand um, for that particular reason um obviously the, the european market shouldn't be ignored um and you know per- primarily because, you know, most European nations have amazing language skills and they, they all speak fantastic English uh, as well. It's, it's uh, you know, it's a, a factor uh, of business. Um, but yeah, we certainly see a lot of people who are trading into those main markets that have been identified in that last poll as well. Um, I, I'm sure Simon and Robin may pitch in on this as well, but certainly within the, the US and uh, that particular expansion, um, someone asked a question in the, the feed, saying, "Is a phased rollout across the U.S. a, a good strategy?" Um, we see it, different options. You know, some people decide to do a phased rollout. Um, some people find it quite difficult uh, in terms of being able to do that, though, because cornering your market in, in a single state or a couple of states can be quite difficult, um, from, from my understanding. Whereas you want to open it up so that anybody can purchase across the U.S. Uh, and therefore you you get the the wider um um customer base from doing that i don't know what your thoughts are simon robin in terms of that that expansion but
0: yeah exactly yeah thank
3: you yeah i i well this this might be the the point where divina thinks why did we invite that guy from liverpool on and he's fitting (laughs) into a stereotype and he's going to disagree with everybody so uh divya and michael i agree with you on the english language bit I, i i really do i think but it's important to say you know if you if you like fred perry or burberry or aquascutum and you've got heritage i think that's that's that comment fits absolutely I've, I've just got a slightly different slightly different take on it from from my point of view um and i, I don't know if there's anybody on this uh, what listening to this from australia or new zealand can i just say i've got family in New Zealand and Australia. And I love, I love those countries. I hope this isn't going to cause anybody from those two countries to attack me, what I'm about to say. Um, What I always do and what I've learned to do a little bit, depending on what business I've worked for is to try and prioritize into big bets. And you know, there's two, there's two general parameters for me around that. And one is, you know, it's a really easy benchmark. Let's look at the GDP of a market for a start and let's look at population. So by the way, I really love New Zealand, by the way, amazing place, but in actual fact for some businesses that market as a retail opportunity is probably as big as Birmingham, London, London and Glasgow put together.
2: Yeah.
3: And then you sort of go, well, if my supply chain can't service that market, like, why am I even looking at it? You know, US, I get, Canada, I get. So I just think, while I don't want to come over as being that stereotypical person from Liverpool who's disagreeing, I just think I just think we have to caveat that kind of way of thinking, if that makes sense.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Absolutely. no, I agree.
2: I mean, certainly from just just from the the customers that we speak to, they they come to that conclusion themselves in terms of where they want to go to market. Um, and, and that's certainly the the trend that we have seen. But I absolutely agree with you, Simon. I think that, you know, obviously you are on the ground and you you understand that that particular industry in a lot more detail than I do. Uh, I just look at the technology behind it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I agree. Yeah.
4: No, you've made a very good point there, Simon. I mean, in regards to, you would never look at New Zealand as a separate... I mean, it, it depends on the product, it depends on the service, but you wouldn't look at it as a separate entity. You would put Australia and New Zealand together because you'd then supply... New Zealand via Australia because it's so close but no you wouldn't kind of think right I'm just going to New Zealand and focus all your attention and all your resources on that because you know you are right you need to look at what you will get out of it and um, how much will you have to invest and is the investment going to take a lot more of time and resource for you know in regards to how much sales you're going to make so you you do need to have your thinking cap on in regards to that
1: Total, totally agree Davina, with, with what they're saying. The other thing that I, I would throw into that is think of geography. In Canada, we have four time zones. Um, it takes a week to move goods across the country. Um, that's going to impact your supply chains. And I think you have to, you have to think about those kinds of things. Um, just, just to come back to, to two things that were said earlier, uh, people process systems, absolutely critical. Um, we see we see companies go into markets and fail because they haven't, they've thought through process, but they haven't thought through the people, they haven't thought through the systems, and they haven't thought the logistics through how they get goods to the market effectively. Um, the other thing that uh, I would throw out, and this is sort of a, a different p- perspective, um, use the British trade people, but also use the trade people in in-country for the uh, for the countries you're targeting so for example when we started to look at the UK uh, in 2015 as a potential market one of the things I did was I contacted the British trade people in Toronto had some very good conversations with them uh, but also contacted the Canadian High Commission in London and used our trade people the reverse is true in the UK you should be talking to the if you're targeting Canada for example talk to the Canadian trade people at the HiCom because they've got insights as well and they can tap you into programs and partners and so on so throw that as a as 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 a um, perspective that I think often gets overlooked
0: yeah i i agree i mean i think i don't did we meet through Sanjay at the trade commission
1: we did i uh, think we did yeah Kate as well yeah
0: yeah, exactly. Sandra. So, so yes, I mean, I would, I would back that up is that, you know, they do a great job sort of in country, don't they? Yeah, so, yeah. and one of the other things that kind of came up in the chat, and I know that, that, you know, a couple of you responded to this as well, which is that, you know, it's doing like a, a phased rollout when you're going into sort of the U S particularly where you've got the sort of different States. And is that something you'd recommend then, you know, that seems like that would be similar for sort of Canada and potentially for, for elsewhere that don't try and take on, a whole continent in sort of one
1: go. Yeah, I think it would be absolutely foolish to try and take to take on a continent, uh, particularly the U.S. market. The U.S. market is a very regionalized market. Uh, what you do in California and the regulations that you've got to deal with in California uh, are going to be completely different than what you deal with in you know the U.S. South. The buying attitudes are different. The the merchandising is different. Uh, I mean. All their tax structure is completely different, so and, and super complicated. Um, in Canada, we are fragmented. Quebec is a separate market, uh, and it's got its own nuances. Um, English Canada, you think is monolithic? It's actually not. Um, you've got you've got regional geographies that come into play. So I think I think it would be absolutely foolish to try and attempt to to blast the U.S. unless you've got a very high value. To Simon's point about if you're if you're Burberry or you're you're somebody like that, that's that's a very different um, that's a different perspective. But I think of uh, Private White in Manchester, a uh, very uh, interesting fashion brand in the UK. Their footprint in Canada, for example, is very small, largely because they haven't really focused on the market, and I don't think they do very much in the UK in the US as well. Um, mm-hmm. But again, I think this comes down to having the right people, the right, the right processes in place to be able to, 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 to handle that and um, so yeah I would be very I would be very precise and very uh, very focused.
0: Mm. I'm gonna come over to you now Olivia. Um, so I, you've got a kind of little task. Can you give us the sort of five easiest markets that you think for UK e-commerce brands to break into? <laughs> Yeah, I think, um, you know, in line with what everyone's, everyone's saying here, that there's there's a huge potential for growth. Um, and as we've mentioned, the, the US can be a little bit intimidating, um, certainly because, you know, there's, there's thousands and thousands of, of different tax regulations, tax rates, um, different taxability rules around your particular product, you know, what, what they're charging Uh, in terms of sales tax in New York is going to be different as to how they charge your product, literally a state over. Um, And and I think that can make people nervous, but saying that, you know, the the US is is a huge, huge market um, for for people to approach and granted parts of it can seem daunting, but once you've found a solution or um, advice on how to kind of manage the complexities around it, it's such a huge market to be able to enter into. Um, likewise, uh, I don't think you know Europe should be ignored. Now, I know that um, the kind of the B word, which we're not discussing today too much, but it has changed a lot of mindsets towards trading in Europe. And I think there's potentially a little bit of Um, apprehension uh, around what to do and where to go in Europe but again I'd really really um, say that there's a a huge amount of potential there we're working with a lot of uh, strategic businesses at the moment who are seeing a huge amount of growth opportunity uh, across Europe you know you've got uh, an industry of consumers now that online shopping has become just a a natural everyday thing for for Um, and with such a high level of it, of it happening, consumers want to see choice. They want to see options. And, and entering into that European market really gives them the opportunity to do that. Um, so appreciate- that down, sorry, Olivia, would you break that down sort of at the country level more? Or would you, you know, thinking about when you're going into Europe, would you better off starting with Germany first? or? You know, is there kind of a a, a kind of top five or something that you should consider? Yeah, I mean, I certainly think US and Canada should be up there as considerations. Um, You know, granted, there are complexities, but it's a huge, huge market. So so those are the top two. And then on the European side of things, I think that was a really good point made earlier. You know, start with with places that maybe are a little easier to get to, um, like the the island, um, France, Germany. These are markets that are have incredibly strong uh trends they often are replicating um fashion trends and buying habits from the UK and very much so are leading the way in terms of, of kind of online retail market and growth within those areas so I think that's five uh France yeah, Germany US. Ireland US and Canada um, are, are certainly where we'd, we'd recommend that and what we've seen from our experience kind of doing the, the software side of things Lovely. Thank you so much. We're going to go to another poll now, actually. So if you can pop up the third poll, please, Dale. Um, so, and you referenced this, Robin, um, thinking about the logistics. Um, so how do you currently ship internationally um, if you can tick um, which of those um, fedex has got an extra e in it but um but you know D, dhl ups fedex post office other um and um, and then just drop any sort of like others into chat um then um, that would be um useful for us if you could thank you our lovely participants um and surprise um,
1: obviously... Davina, for the, the one who can guess the answer correctly
0: <laughs> is there
3: <laughs> i don't know it's looking interesting though
0: is it? OK. All right. <laughs> I don't know what prize we can give. Maybe we can give them free to <laughs> come to the Brexit seminar. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> so, we um, So perfect. So we'll get those results up. So our oh, DHL and the post office seem to be leading the way. Um, but, um, but there's quite a 20, 21% in others. So um, it will be interesting to see at DPD um, has, seems to come up there um a couple of times as well so if there's any others then do please pop them in and also remember if you've got any questions um for the panel um then um, then do actually let us know too um, so when you're thinking about um fulfillment and shipping strategies divya have you got any advice for um our I retailers think, out there? i i, th-
1: I think davina it's really interesting that dhl pops up as as the very top one because in Canada right now, there's a lot of press uh, going on around the, the ancillary charges that DHL is charging for customs clearance. And mm-hmm. um, a lot of people are, are moaning and groaning that the retailer has not been clear on their website or when they order that there would be additional taxes and what those taxes are. So something coming from the UK because of our free trade agreement, you're only gonna pay HST which is the harmonized sales tax, and that's a federal tax. Um, if if the good is manufactured in in the UK or is coming from the UK, typically there are no tariffs and duties, and that is the same between Canada as well as the US. But mm-hmm. what's happening is that the couriers are charging their administrative fee on for customs clearance uh, and trying to pass that on as government fees when, in fact, it's not... Government fees. So, the backlash on the retailer is what you want to be concerned about, because so is that the customer
0: the customer, and not Sorry. onto the. Re- they're trying to pass that on to directly onto the customer, and not onto the retailer.
1: Well, what they're doing is uh, DHL. Actually, if you go on CBC's website, CBC.ca, there is a there's a there's an article uh, on their front page about the the fact that DHL in Canada is holding packages hostage and won't release them from bond until the customer pays these fees and so this has created a big sort of you know you know to do but it highlights the issue of transparency that uh, if you if you are selling internationally particularly in the e-commerce world that you need to be very transparent with your customer at checkout and in your FAQs that there could be additional charges that are that are being charged And I think you need to think about shipping options. Uh, Mm. What are the most economical and something to talk about with your carriers?
0: Okay, excellent. Divya, did you have anything to add when it comes to um, fulfillment and shipping?
4: Um, I mean, Robin made a very good comment there. And in addition to that, what I do say is, um, you know, as, obviously you'll be sending stuff out from the UK. So you'd have to look at all the fulfillment side of things, but as you grow, you have to then consider the warehousing and maybe looking at, you know, if your goods are being made in the Far East, um, instead of bringing, them into the UK to then send out again, you could then ship them directly from there. Um, You can also look at having a bonded warehouse in the UK if you needed to bring them into store and separate your shipping. So there are a number of options that you can look at when you're considering uh, shipping your goods. And especially if you are bringing them in from overseas um, and sending them into the likes of uh, the US or Canada, Um, Canada and US have different uh, trade agreements when it concerns China. So you then also have to look at these things. Um, Sometimes even in regards to shipping wise, people do send stuff into Mexico, then from Mexico into the US, that's another route. Um, There's different taxes and duties that you have to consider there as well. So sometimes there's, little tricks and hints of sending goods across can also save you money but then also add more value as well excellent thank you Um, i'm gonna jump over to you now mike actually
0: so thinking about sort of you know when you're um on your journey globally um what teething problems do you think can be sorted out sort of you know fairly quickly because there's bound to be some um and which ones do you think you know you need to have prepared for in the first place or are going to you know you're going to fall over and and they're going to take you a lot of time to um sort out
2: yeah uh, i mean certainly again this is all just from experience of customers that, that we've spoken to um and you know coming back to that that three um uh, word thing that, that it was said earlier by, by Simon that the people processing systems I think teething problems from the outset are people potentially not thinking far enough down the line uh, in terms of you know what needs to be done uh, they, they're thinking about getting their products uh, and solutions to market but then maybe not thinking well what are the implications of doing so um, and making sure I mean sometimes when people talk about tax tax is not always one of the first things that comes to mind when they want to start selling but it's obviously something that is a major consideration. Uh, so in terms of teething problems, I think, you know, having everything in in in, in place, uh, maybe not before you start selling, but certainly to, to know how you're going to to deal with it when you actually start selling and going to different markets. That's one of the major teething problems that we see.
0: And, well, and do you find that people kind of are coming to you almost after the fact, like they've started trading and then they've gone, oh, hold on, we've got this wrong. We need you to help us. Yeah. So- so the, the customs tax issues
2: out. Indeed, I mean, the, the, the primary one that we see is um, a recent example. Somebody had been trading in the US for, for over three years, um, quite high volume uh, in terms of lots of, of individual items, um, not particularly high cost of value, but certainly in, in quite a lot of quantity. And because of that, the, the different thresholds and the, the legislation that's in place across the US means that they had crossed many boundaries in lots of different states. So it comes as quite a shock uh, in terms of they need to potentially register within that state and then do filing within the states, maybe even go through the process of historical liability uh, as well, and that can be a painful process if you're in still quite a startup mode uh, and you yeah. have the ready capitals at hand.
1: Yeah, I think thank you. That's a, that's a really valid point. And I think a lot of people have gone into the US market thinking, that I need a physical presence. Well, uh, in tw- I think it was 2019. Um, 2018, yeah. 2018, Wayfair versus North Dakota, uh, that set a minimum, uh, that, that took away the, um, the physical presence requirement. And now the threshold is something around, and it varies from state to state, but around $100,000 of business per state. Um, it's something that we've had to deal with uh, because we sell a large part of our services into the us. And one of the one of the serious issues for us is to diversify the um, the tax burden across many states so that we're not hitting those thresholds. Um, and to Michael's point, I mean, I've seen companies run into that exact situation. The other mm-hmm. thing, if you're doing B 2 B, is make sure that you're filling in the proper paperwork, the W eight B E N for foreign entities. Uh, these are really, really important because um, it 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 may it with the IRS you don't you don't want to have them coming after you. <laughs> just no. no and they don't make
0: they don't make those W eight for, forms easy. Um, no, they I don't. know from personal. No, exactly. So, Simon, do you have any kind of thoughts on, um, you know, any particular kind of sort of teething troubles that, you know, even if you've pre-planned, you're likely to come up against?
3: Um, yeah, look, I agree with everything uh, everybody else just said. I think my, my, my kind of feeling on this is um, don't, don't compare yourself. But businesses, owners, CEOs, boards, private equity, it can tend to look at what other businesses are doing and compare itself. And I, my, my message would be don't compare yourself. What other, another business is doing, it's their business. Mm. It's not your business. You need to do from an economic point of view, from a profitability point of view, what's right for you, um, you know, and, and <clears throat> don't. Anyone listening to me, don't go looking on my LinkedIn profile because the brand I'm about to mention isn't on there. But I'm I'm doing I'm doing a bit of work with somebody at the moment, and uh, you know they presented a huge list to me of like forty plus potential retailers to work with globally, and it's like like how how do you onboard forty retailers in like six months? It's like so like that that list is like from my my opinion needs to be five to 10 max because, you know, you need to do things in phases. Um, I think closer to home, if not, if not get your domestic stuff sorted out before you think too far afield is kind of my message because it's really, it's really easy to overreach depending on what sort of business you are and what your history is. And, and you really, really have to manage your senior stakeholders. So if there's any kind of, if there's any owner, owner operators on there, I don't know who's on this call, you know, you know, give your team a break, be understanding that, you know, it's great to say, go, 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 go deliver. But, you know, overreaching is, is difficult. And if you're someone trying to manage private equity or a PLC or, or an owner on the call, be strong, just really, really be strong and try and deliver something that's going to have longevity because the, the worst thing you can do is, you know, set up a deal with an e-tailer and it lasts for a year. You know, you want it to last for five to 10 years. So, you know, as all of the other, other panellists have said, get it right, really get it right
1: and get all your ducks lined up, um, is what I'd say.
3: Well, a point, Simon,
1: I think what's really important there, and it's something we see all the time, is the spaghetti approach you throw spaghetti at the wall to see what sticks without really understanding the channels you're going into and then all of the system, the back-end system requirements around integrating with every one of these channels and 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 the process around that and uh, i i completely agree i mean you need to be surgical about it you need to be very precise and and understand what the niche of that marketplace is because not every marketplace is the same and to your point, just because XYZ Z is doing it um, doesn't mean that you have to do it. Yeah. So,
0: we've got a question from the floor actually, or from the, the um, audience. Um, so, this is from Mike and it's for you, Simon. Um, so, he's asking that um, when you're looking as a fashion brand, um, Do you need to adapt specifically for the international market, thinking about product design as well as cultural considerations? um, I'm assuming maybe sizes and so on as well. Um, Do you think that's something that you should be doing? You should be adapting your range when you're expanding into global markets.
3: So, so I'll answer that in two ways. And I have to apologise to everybody. When when I agreed to do this, I didn't realise I was on the school run for my son. So I've got I've got three (laughs) minutes to answer this question.
0: (laughs) Wow.
3: <laughs> can. Um, so, look, my experiences in the in the fast fashion industry or fashion industry, generally speaking, a bestseller is a bestseller. So it's a bestseller in London. It's a bestseller in New York. It's a bestseller in Sydney, Australia. Okay. The the caveat to that, and it's it's come up with me in the last sort of ten days around um, around a, a kidswear brand is. The caveat to that is um, when you're looking at Southeast Asia and China, yes, absolutely. The product needs developing and looking at because you've got, you know, uh, you need, you'll need to bring in product techs, you'll need to bring in designers because, you know, the fit of products is subtly different in Southeast Asian markets. You know, the, the best example I can give is, and again, it, it comes down to that thing I said about don't compare yourself. I've, I've sat in so many board meetings where people have said to me, oh, well, you know, bestseller, the bestseller group are doing an amazing job in China. Why can't we do it? Well, you know, I'll tell you the bestseller group have been set up in China since about 1996 or 1997, right? So they've had a lot of time to get it right. And you'll find very, 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 you know, virtually no comparison between the product ranges on offer in Europe through bestseller and the product offer that's on offer in China and Southeast Asia through bestseller. It's a separate team, design team, tech team, quality team. So, gen, you know, there's, it's kind of a, like a double-edged answer there. But, um, you know, I think you just need to be careful. You just really, really need to be careful. And the other thing, the other consideration about some markets like um, – you know, it could it could be India? It could be China. It could be some Southeast Asian markets, especially around the fashion point of view. Is um, there's a lot of local market competition there that's doing a really, really good job in the, from the fast fashion point of view, and you know, they're they they're, they're going to be five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten pounds cheaper than your light for light product. So. There's absolutely no point having product on a website and it doesn't sell?
0: Yeah, no I agree. Simon, I'm conscious of the fact that you've got to go. So thank you very much indeed for joining us and um, we really do appreciate it. And um, Mike, I know you've got to go as well a few minutes early. <laughs> so you're welcome to hop off, Simon. Um, Mike, thank have you got you. A final, thank you very much. Mike, have you got a, a final sort of comment for everyone? A final kind of takeaway?
2: Yeah, I mean the the final takeaway again. I, I love that 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 phrase. Uh, make sure your people are in the right place. Make sure the processes are right, and get the right systems. And and I think that you know the the main thing with everybody who is is listening in to, to this webinar and um, and taking part. Uh, I think you you've got great partners uh, in hand with Avalara via Omni uh, and the DIT as well uh, to be able to get the right information, the right solutions, and the right people. So yeah.
0: Great. Well, thank you very much for taking part today, Mike. We really do appreciate it. I'll, I'll let you kind of head off. And that's a good segue into, into Divya. Um, so, Divya, have you got like a kind of sort of final comment, top tip that you'd like to kind of leave everyone, everyone with in this last sort of few minutes?
4: Um, I'd definitely say, you know, do your research. If you can test the market on marketplaces, um, that would be something quite easily set up. Um, We, as Department of International Trade, we work very closely with overseas marketplaces and we can get you discounted or in some cases even free uh, listings as a part of the negotiation that we've done with them. Um, You can do so much research, you can, you know, you can still research the hind legs off a donkey but still not take the plunge. So part of it's also take that plunge, see how it goes. Don't think it's going to be smooth straight away. You'll make mistakes, learn from those mistakes. So yeah, it is baby steps, but once you start exporting once you'll you'll get the bug and it's not that hard. Um, like some of the panelists said, get your domestic market in order use the money you make from your domestic market to reinvest and use that money to go overseas that's the easiest way there are some products which may sell better overseas Um, you need you know your product best have a look i mean understand which markets you want to go into if you're struggling that's where we're here to help um robin and ourselves we're here to help you
0: thank you so much divian thank you very much for taking part today so olivia You've got you've got one minute to give your kind of because I want to go to Robin as well before he has to head off. <laughs> yeah, no, excellent. I think um, you know that there's been some really really good advice there, some really good insight into what we've been discussing today, and I think um, that the main takeaway for for me is that this is a really really exciting time. So I think lead this time with being open and transparent about what you're doing. Set your customers' expectations. And be prepared to have to navigate a couple of new subjects like tax regulations, customs and duties rules, and, and be confident enough to, to come and ask questions that, that may seem a bit silly, but come and ask the experts, you know, come and speak to us, speak to Robin, speak to Divya, you know, there are people there to support this process, because it's a huge market. Um, so I think be open, transparent, be confident in, in your you know proposal and be confident in asking those questions i think is that is the biggest uh part is what i'd say thank you so much thank you and um and i know that avalara back with us on um march sorry april 28th for the for the brexit one which uh we obviously circulate the details on that so thank you so robin you've got the final minute
1: thank you Davina. well thank you for for the time today it's this has been very very um, interesting in terms of conversation. I mean, come back to what Simon started with, uh, people process systems. Um, I think it's incredibly important that people assess the quality of their systems. Are they up for the task? Uh, Do you have the processes in place? Have you thought through the logistics of how you're gonna ship product? If you're doing e-commerce, you've got to really be respectful of the trust relationship People are ordering from you, they don't know who you are. Um, So you've got to make sure your processes and your systems are up to snuff. Um, Go into it, as Divya said, with with proper research, but go in with eyes wide open and be prepared to pivot. You're gonna learn things that you never expected to learn and reach out. There's experts all over the place uh, who know what they're talking about, who've done this, who've been down this path um to simon's point just because somebody's doing something doesn't mean you have to emulate exactly what they're doing Uh, think of what your who who your brand is and what your brand is all about because that's what you want to represent Um, so thank you very much um happy to take any questions after the fact and uh it's been great fun
0: Brilliant, thank you. Well, we'll do a kind of thank you email to everyone as well um, that um, has taken part today, um, and um, and obviously they'll be able to reach out to you guys directly. We'll put in your LinkedIn profiles as well if that's okay. Um, so we've got a kind of final thank you slide. I want to say thank you very much to um, to Olivia, Robin, Divya, Mike, um, Simon. But also to say thank, thank you very much to On the End to Avalara for supporting today. Um, the next um, webinar that we have coming up um, is actually next Wednesday, um, and that is the one which is um, bridging um, the mobile revenue gap. Um, so please do sign up um, and join us for that one too. Um, and, um, and without further ado, enjoy the rest of your afternoons. Thank you.